Welcome to the Free Birth Podcast, a supportive space for people who are learning, exploring, and celebrating their autonomous choices in childbirth. Together, we'll unpack truths, share personal stories, and claim our ability to birth freely and intuitively. Here's your host, Emily Saldea. It's your calling to become an authentic midwife? Do you dream of attending women in birth? Have you felt frustrated trying to be a birth worker in the system? Are you looking for a better way to walk with women in total integrity, supporting mother-led physiological birth? Are you dreaming of building a thriving, profitable business as a birth coach? Well, we are thrilled to announce that enrollment for our Radical Birth Keeper School is now open. Classes begin June 1st, so head over to our website and get the details. The time is now, and we need you to join us in this birth revolution. www.radicalbirthkeeperschool.com Today I'm joined by a dear friend of mine, Isabella. Isabella was a doula in New York City until this past year she made the decision to question everything that felt wrong about her chosen path and to create a better one. Isabella shares her challenges, victories, and wisdom on what it has been like to become a radical birth keeper. Right. This is going to be one for the books. <laughs> so I am here today with a, a dear friend of mine, Isabella from New York. Hi, Isabella. Hi. And I just want to state our intention at the top of this of this episode because if you are a doula and you are struggling with what you're seeing. Uh, With doula culture, you know, with the way you were trained, the way you were taught, um, if you are one of the many, 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 many women out there that both Isabella and I hear from uh, on a very regular basis um, who are understanding that what you're witnessing, um, you know, in the system, the way that that your clients are being treated and their children are being treated, um, if you are one of those doulas that have... uh, a problem with this that that are feeling um, in alignment with the stuff this podcast talks about, but you don't know what to do next. This episode is for you. That is why I brought Isabella on because her story, which of course we're about to get into, is one uh, that you're going to resonate with. You know, she was uh, the very proud doula uh, for many years that that now has graduated into what we like to call a radical birth keeper. And so we are here to track her story and really use it as uh, a way to inspire you if you resonate with what I just said at the top, you know, that um, I know that there are so many doulas out there that listen to this, this podcast um, 
who understand that what they're seeing is wrong, but they don't know what to do next. And so please listen to this, uh, you know, with your whole heart and know that we are making this episode for you. Um, And we're going to use Isabella's story uh, to show you that that there is a way beyond this. There's a way to make money beyond this in total integrity, uh, which is something that, you know, many of us within Free Birth Society are doing. Um, and so, yeah, I just want to say I'm very proud of Isabella and, and the story she's about to share. Um, so welcome. Thank you so much for having me. <sighs> okay, well, let's start where most good stories start at the beginning. <laughs> so tell us, tell us a little bit about um, you know, when and where, how the, the bringings, you know, of the, the circumstances that bring you into taking a doula training, getting that yes to becoming a doula. Um, and I'd actually love for you to speak for a moment about what you thought it was going to be. Um, because I think that's always interesting to then, as we get into your story, what you actually discover it to be, uh, because I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's probably very different. So um, yeah, take us to that origin origin story of you learning that you wanted to be a doula. So I um, had graduated from, you know, had a art school degree and like many art school grads, especially female grads living in an expensive city, childcare was a really popular stream of income. And so I was doing a ton of child care, um, but I knew that's ultimately you know, not where I wanted to end up. And postpartum work seemed like a natural extension because I always loved working with babies and I knew I felt comfortable being in people's homes. I liked the idea of having a direct impact rather than being at an office job or being disposable, uh, feeling like feeling I wasn't needed really. Um, or could be easily replaced. And so like, you know, I think many doulas, I watched the business of being born and that really inspired me in a lot of ways. And and at that point I had reached out to an acquaintance who was a doula and and she guided me um, to the training that I ended up taking, which was with Doula Trainings International. But, you know, to be honest, when I started, I was not interested in birth at all. I was more interested in having a consistent, high paying job that was an extension of what I was already doing, Mm -hmm. but felt more professionalized and had a different, like, um, like status really like a postpartum doula where Mm -hmm. I could make 60 bucks an hour, you know, um, and doing good work. I mean, supporting new moms. 100%. 100%. Oh, great, great work. And, and, and childcare is also obviously really, really important work, but it just doesn't get the kind of pay at this mm-hmm. point that, that a postpartum doula can get. So I thought I would just do the certifying births that my, you know, that any training would require of me and I'd be done. So I really didn't have, you know, expectations in terms of what I was going to experience other than it was just all so brand new and exciting. Mm -hmm. Like it was really like, it really, when I look back, it really felt kind of objectifying in a lot of ways. Like that I just got to be like in this crazy world, you know, or in this crazy experience. Like it it certainly wasn't mother centered, you know, Mm. especially having attended no births. I, I really was dumbfounded as to why, someone would even want me at their birth, to be honest. And, and, you know, 
the, the motto of my, you know, my train, one of the kind of like tenets of my training was that I was enough just as I was, which, you know, I think we could argue about for, for days, what that even means. Mm -hmm. But the reality was that I was accepting money for basically just witnessing what was happening. Um, and especially for the first few births, I didn't have any tools to be able to like offer really anything. Well, that's kind of the paradox of doula-ine, right? Because it's it's pretty much just reduced to air quotes, emotional support. And it's kind of understood in this unspoken way that you're not bringing that much to the table. Um, you know, it's, it's often women, uh, younger women, you know, women without a lot of experience. Um, and they're just and- kind of like massaging the mom. And like you said, witnessing and, uh, and then helping her like process and largely reframe the abuse and and trauma that she's about to experience, whether the doulas like have their heads wrapped around that or not. But like, but at the same time, there's this enormous self-importance kind of written into the, the role within the community itself, you know, this made up scope of practice, this, you know, the importance on hitting high numbers. There's this, um, this real self-importance within the community, uh, that then is, is kind of exemplify, exemplified by all the trainings and all the extra stuff and, and all the layers, uh, you know, that, that wind up coming into, you know, that like weird paradox of like, you are enough, but also you're nothing in the room. You have no power in the room. You have no authority. Don't you dare to speak to the hospital staff, um, only want what the mom wants, have no opinion, uh, you know, be like totally empty, but you're totally enough. It's a confusing message. It's so confusing. It's so confusing. And, and I, and I feel like it's, oh, yeah, I, I, it's, it, and, and the way that I, like, I really got angry at newer doulas once I had more experience in the hospital system. It really angered me that like, because, because then that morphed into the kind of the savior where, where I felt very strongly that, that no one who doesn't like someone who doesn't understand the, the abuse of the hospital system, like should ever call themselves a hospital doula because mm. that woman needs the most protection and she needs the most tools and the most advocacy. And I, I really like, I hated so many versions of my like, for, you know, former self in this work. And, um, it became like a personal crusade really for me to like learn everything I wanted, you know, could possibly know about the physiology of birth because I didn't get that in my doula training. And once I had that, like just the ways that the, the, the role, the role has shifted even with my work within the system had shifted so many times um, trying to understand like what really is my role and how can I truly help women? And that question, like, again, even as a radical birth keeper is, is the constant question, like what is actually serving women? Mm-hmm. Um, in integrity. In integrity. Right. right. And that's, and, you know, I think this is going to be a theme throughout our conversation, this shift that I know you're exploring and experiencing that, that obviously I have too, this shift from doula to radical birth keeper is largely, I think, contextualized by this idea of, of graduating from a hero into a coach, you know, and, and, and the hero embodying needing to save the martyr, 
um, the martyr and the savior, really, and and really predicated on the belief that women need help. Women mm-hmm. need to be saved, and we, sh- you know, we're the ones to do it. And and that very easily, and I'm sure you know, Dula's listening, you know, can can relate to this. That very easily translates to an enormous, inappropriate sense of responsibility. Um, that then, you know, lends itself to feeling so guilty and so responsible for um, the painful things that we go on to witness, you know, women in the system experience. Absolutely. Yeah. The internal, I mean, even the idea of like continuing ed and workshop, like constant workshops was sold to me as a new doula as, as like, as if I, if I didn't take these workshops or if I didn't do all these like sub trainings that somehow I would be lacking and then therefore unable to save these women. Which is, I think a really important point here because that's different. That has a really different flavor to it than, you know, this concept of the coach, you know, that's above the line that is, um, that is there to guide and to educate and to offer and to love and support and hold and, and, you know, all of this stuff. But, but that really is within the context of, um, only taking our own responsibility, operating from a place of deep integrity and embodying the role of the expert without, without the lens of, oh, poor you, you need to be saved. And I'm actually, you know, here to, protect you and hero you in a, in a way that, uh, that renders actually a very, very, very unhealthy dynamic, not only between the mother and the, the attendant or the doula or the birth keeper, but also between us as the birth keepers with our own work in birth, you know, it really confuses the lines. So, so actually let's go back a little bit to your training and, and tell us about that. Cause I've heard you say in the past that you were the exact perfect target demographic for the training you took. Tell us about, about that, why you chose it, how it felt, you know, what it was like to go through it, how, what you felt prepared for, what you didn't and, and the, you know, the doula culture at large that you experienced as a new doula. So I, yeah, I was definitely the perfect market for this training. You know, I had explored DONA, which is, you know, the widely recognized national training here in the U.S., but um, this acquaintance that I had, you know, mentioned doula trainings international. And, you know, when I went on their website, I think their tagline used to be, you know, the for the modern doula. I think it, I don't think it said the modern woman because they very much don't use that language in that training, but but they did, it had some kind of, there was an emphasis on the idea that, that the women who are taking these trainings and the women that you would be serving are modern. The people. The people. The people are modern, mm-hmm. contemporary. Like um, hip, hip and super and cool hip. and young yeah. and with it. Yeah. 100%. I mean, and DTI also sold like community to me and mentorship, which I think they did hold up that part of of the bargain um because it is cult-like um you know the dogma is pretty strong the policing is pretty strong um not just in regards to like 
language, but but in terms of you know there being a hierarchy between you know there is no hierarchy between vaginal and C-section. Like they're they're the same. All birth is natural. That was a tenet that was um, repeated over and over. All birth is natural. All birth is natural. Don't come with judgment. Like you know just the kind of the, the other side of the pendulum that you've described, like there was no space for a coach. It's either, you know, you're, you're the savior, which I don't think they would like endorse, but, but they do. But then, but even more so the, like the judgment free, neutral blank slate, that's, that's, I feel like even they're even more so in that camp, you know, as soon as you start to have any kind of investment, Mm in an outcome, Mm. this was said to me by another member, you know, that I was on a slippery slope, Mm -hmm. you know, that I was expressing concern about the high number of C-sections, that that was a slippery slope, that I had concern around the language around cesarean awareness month, that that was a slippery slope, you know, so, you know, invest and like have this be your profession, but then also shut up. The message was, (laughs) yeah, the message was basically shut up. Yeah. And don't make, don't make waves. Like if you're going to critique, it needs to be done in this really generic way, you know, not in a, in, in, not in any like too radical, you know, way and serve everybody, you know, have no bias, be, Mm -hmm. be, you know, so generic that you're serving everybody and, and you have no ethical kind of bias between an elective C-section and an induction, you know, or a home birth with a midwife. However, we all know in the doula world that the home birth with the licensed midwife is the unicorn birth that everyone, whether secretly or not, you know, desperately wants. Desperately. Oh my gosh. It was gold, gold. I mean, I... I, you know, the fun, funny part was that my first home birth of the licensed midwife, I actually missed because it was an hour and a half, you know, and that was, that was, you know, one of the kind of wake up calls mm. for me that like, I wasn't needed mm-hmm. in any way. Yeah. It's going to happen. And this regardless. wasn't about me. Yeah. It's going to happen with or, uh, me or midwife or anyone else except for the mom and the baby. And it's like the, the licensed midwife home birth is the unicorn birth, but no one's allowed to talk about why. And we all know it's this unspoken understanding that we all want to see normal birth where women are respected. And obviously we're going to get more into this on the episode. Like that actually doesn't happen in the vast majority of home births with licensed midwives, but it's, it's so, what's the right word? Like confined, you know, that that is like the best kind of birth you can attend as a doula, but we're not, we were, we're not really allowed to talk about why. And you're still, um, I mean, I'll say at this point, the pushback I got from the doula community when I stopped attending hospital birth was so fascinating and telling, you know, that, that, that the pushback I got when I let, you know, my fellow doula comrades know that I was putting up boundaries around who I'd attend and where was, um, so you're just going to abandon the women in the hospital. You know, they need us more than anybody. They need us more than anybody. And that is the exact lens that we're talking about of this hero martyr lens at what fucking cost? Because I know for me and Isabella, we had a tremendous amount of secondary trauma from what you know, we were witnessing, as I'm sure, if you're listening as a doula who attends at hospital birth, you do too. Um, so can you speak to that a little bit of, of, and maybe this goes into the agency conversation, but like 
how this inherent trauma actually creates this really gross community support to like keep going back because we have to save women at the expense of our own mental health. Speak a little bit to to your experience around that. I felt, I felt at many points it became almost competitive and, you know, in the sense that, yeah, like, you know, I would be in a room with doulas and we'd be trauma bonding. And, you know, I was on my high horse because my clients didn't get epidurals and heplocs. And to me, that was a huge feat, you know, witnessing women in the system. And then another, you know, another doula would say, you know, well, um, you know, she did have a C-section, but they let her have a gentle cesarean you know, or they, I'd never seen that before, you know, like it was almost as if, you know, because they hadn't seen it be, they had never seen a doctor or a midwife perform like an ounce of compassion that that it was something to celebrate, like just the whole, you know, grasping for crumbs, just the bar is so low constantly. And I, and I get the desperation because I was, you know, once I was like over private hospitals here in New York city that have like the worst, stats, I started, you know, recommending people go to public hospitals because they had better stats. But then it, it then, and my, you know, myself and other doulas, I, I saw us glorifying the public hospitals mm-hmm. in an attempt to steer people away from the private, mm-hmm. more abusive hospitals. Oh my God, totally. And, and then, you know, watching the clients be so grateful, for, like if having the comparative experience being like, they were amazing. You know, they, they said I could eat and they said I could drink and, you know, just the tone of their voice. They're just so nice there. And, you know, just, it's just crazy. I remember sitting around a doula circle one time in Los Angeles and the topic of the conversation was literally who is the least rapey it was like, well, at this hospital, okay, well, he's awful. He's awful. Well, you know, she's, I've only seen her do this or that a couple times. I mean, it, it was, it, for me, it was one of those moments of like, oh my God, we're literally comparing notes to send women to the le- the lesser abusive doctor who's still completely abusive, but, but a little bit less than so-and-so. And that's where the doula community is positioned. Absolutely. And, and the, yeah, the allegiance to the, you know, once I think doulas get a sense of how terrible hospitals are, there's a desperation to align with licensed home birth midwives and many doulas become, if they're already, aren't already on the track to become licensed midwives themselves, they become the midwife's assistant. And you know, in a desperation to, as you said, witness, you know, physiologic birth, which we know is not, you know, is is not what's happening at home with licensed midwives, but, you know. But again, in the, in the idea of accepting crumbs, it's way better because at least the abuse and sabotage is happening in the woman's home. Yeah. 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 Straight up. Right. Yeah. (laughs) At least it's just like a shot of pit without permission but not a vacuum right. or surgery. And not being surveilled. I think. I think. You know. I liked. I liked the sense that I wasn't being watched or surveilled heavily at home births versus being in the hospital. It gave me a sense. It actually gave me a sense of authority, which wasn't like helpful or good at all. Mm-hmm. Um, now that I like really am, you know, dissecting all of you know the learned, all of my learned behaviors from having been a part of 
so many hospital births and, you know. Um, Another interesting, you know, point that I think is worth mentioning that was true for me in my training. So I'd like to hear what your take on it was or is in my training, which was a very long time ago and it was through Dona and there were maybe 30 women and it was in the early two thousands. Uh, everyone goes around and like says why they're here. And I, I was only 18 or something. So I was kind of a, a unique position in the room. Uh, I was, I will never forget how many women said the same thing, which is I had a traumatic birth and I am here to make sure that doesn't happen to other women. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, we really have to pause there and and take that in because the insanity, like the definition of insanity to experience a, a, a you know, horrifying outcome and then think that you can take a weekend training and go back into the place of abuse and somehow you are going to give the woman a different experience is such a lie that doula trainings completely perpetuate and the doula community com completely perpetuates. It's such a lie of the self-importance and authority that you're going to have that you 100% do not have. Um, man, it took me a long time to untangle that one. That, yeah, I didn't, I mean, I, I definitely had the experience in my training. There were a lot of moms who were processing their own birth trauma, hundred um, percent by getting into this work. And then, yeah, I mean, it, it, it kind of, it, it, again, like it speaks to just the illusion that, that, that is part of the dogma that, that we are somehow making a difference and making things better. Um, and for me, in order to stop taking hospital births, I really had to see that it was causing more harm than good. And I, and one example that comes to mind is, you know, working with repeat clients, you know, having, you know, a year and a half in between each birth, you know, the first birth is an abusive hospital birth and the second baby, she wants to go back to the same place, but just in the birthing center portion of the hospital and, you know, witnessing her being abused for the second time in the same building. Um, mm -hmm. and then saying, to, and by the way, these were both like no heplock, no, like the, the dream hospital births that people, you know, write in their birth plan who want natural quote unquote hospital births, you know, that was this woman. And then after the birth, her looking to me and saying to me, you know, dead in my eyes, I would never give birth without you. To me, that was com the complete opposite of why I was, you know, starting to get into this work. Not initially, I had no idea what to expect, but it completely went against this idea of empowerment mm -hmm. and, and showing women how powerful they are, but then having them reflect back to you that, that they're actually powerless without you. Mm -hmm. That was a mind fuck. Well, and, and powerless with and you. powerless with you. Oh my True. gosh. Yeah. You know, I mean, saying I, I won't give birth without you is saying I could never have navigated this, this terrain without you, you know, and the, and the reframing that I know you and I both have seen so much of, of, you know, how many, how many women we've served that have the awful first birth and then 
think they're going to go back into the same environment, but this time they're going to have a doula and a birth plan. And this time they're going to speak up in their prenatals and it's going to be completely different. And then the, oh, just the pain of watching these women get a couple of handouts off the birth plan and think that their birth was an enormously better experience. Um, you know, and, and I want to speak to that for a second because I can hear the people going, well, who are you to say that that wasn't a better That's experience? How <laughs> That's how I know she was still abused. She, you know. Yeah. But, but my, I was going to the women who actually do walk away going, oh my God, good. this was so yeah, much better, and, and, you know? Yeah. And, and the accepting crumbs that, you know, if they are emerging from their birth this time without the epidural, you know, and the spinal, you know, three-day migraine and the, um, you know, the numbness in the left leg and they didn't get a vacuum this time and they didn't get an episiotomy this time, but, you know, they had a team of 12 people and they had to stay in bed, even though they were told that they were going to be able to go into the tub and, and, you know, they the willingness and the whole way that the culture, you know, has trained women, of course, to be willing to uh, give it all up and reframe and accept crumbs. And, and the more that I think we both have gotten turned on to this and still attended birth, it's like, once you see it, you can't look away. And again, that's really who this episode is for, is if you are starting to get turned on to the truth about this, and you're feeling kind of lost and alone, because you're not able to look away. Um, I really want you to know from this episode well, and free birth society at large, that you're not alone. And there's a lot of doulas unpacking this and, and coming together to talk about this worldwide. And, and Isabella, again, is, is a really good example of someone who, you know, went in all the same reasons everyone else did. It was a very self-important doula, attended a shit ton of births, and then pulled back and said, hold up, this is totally not right. I'm actually contributing to the harm of women and children. And so what now? So I'm curious how you navigated that thing that I think most doulas relate to of feeling the enormous responsibility, like I brought up earlier, the guilt when a woman doesn't get the birth she wants and she just spent all this money on you and you know you attended her and she didn't get anything on her birth plan. Um, that that sense of guilt and responsibility and 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 I know that many doulas because they say this to me and I used to think it as well and I think you did too you know how did you overcome this concept of at least you were there you know I know that that keeps a lot of doulas doing this you know at least I am there to witness it and hold her hand and I I can't abandon the women in the system how did you wrap your head around that and and move on from that well I Firstly, I figured out that I don't really do well in situations where I'm asked to be quiet. You know, I think it was it was easier before. It was easier to be there for me when I didn't see every little thing as a violation. Yeah. But when you feel the lights come on in the room and you know that that is not serving the mom, you know, that even the, that feels like a violent violation, like the clanking, the, and then of course the more, more overt things like the vaginal exams that are just normalized to the most painful to degree that, you know, I, it, it, once that switch went off, I, I really, I couldn't, I couldn't be in the room without 
either shaking uncontrollably, completely shutting down, or speaking up so much that I would be threatened, you know, multiple times by the staff, you know, to be removed from the birth. And that's a good point. It's like, if, if you can't be a subordinate good girl as a doula, it can actually be even more yes, dangerous to be 100%. there. 100%. And that's how I, I ended up explaining it to a couple people who begged me to, to code to their hospital births. I said, you know, you don't, you don't actually want me there. <laughs> like, I don't think, I think we have different interpretations of what, you know, it's, it's going to be or ideas of what it's going to be. And I, you know, the first, I, I, you know, when I was still teaching and waking up to all this and agreeing to go to hospital births, I thought, okay, I'm just going to be uncensored and I'm going to give them the information and that will be my due diligence. And then I'll still feel okay with taking money from them and going to the birth. But then uh-huh. it occurred to me that they had never, they, they wouldn't know it until they were there. How could they possibly understand what I was saying without going through it themselves? And that, right. that final hospital birth, you know, that just set me over the edge in that birth, both the mother and the father looked at me in complete terror and said, everything you said to us is true. Oh God. But they were there. It was done. It was right. done. And, and you and were I there. was there and I had sent, right. And, and this was the, the, the and Yes, the the idea that I would be, you know, they'd be paying me for months to have these sessions and hear me talk about how messed up the system is and we'd all kind of commiserate, oh, we're all fucked, it's all fucked. And then I agree to accompany them. Like what message exactly. did that send? And totally. It must not be that bad. Even if that's a subconscious, you know, kind of integration between the two of you. I mean, I, I remember I remember that tilt for me where for a couple of years, I was like, I'm just going to be really vocal. I'm not going to hold back. I'm going to let them know what I've seen that doctor do, blah, 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 blah. But I'm still going to go and I'm still going to accept, you know, thousands of dollars. And, and I'm going to position myself as you can't afford to not have me there because I know what goes down at that hospital. I know what those nurses do behind closed doors. And so I'm going to go, you know, and, and do my best to protect you all the while also saying, look, I really can't protect you. Like I might be able to do Mm -hmm. one or two things, but, but at the end of the day, and I, I was very transparent about this, you know, towards the end of being like, I really, once it's underway, you know, you're not going to look to me like I'm not going to really be able to do stuff. My, my biggest, you know, way I can affect you is to prenatally prepare you. But how do you do that in a way that is still in alliance with their choices? You know, it's, it's really like supporting your friend to go on a date with a guy, you know, rapes women. It's like, okay, yeah. well, how do you let them know? And, and I've actually been in this situation with friends of mine who, um, I knew was going to go on a date with someone who abuses women and they abused friends of mine in the past. And, and so where that line of like, Hey, you need to know that this happens. Okay. And, and you're going to make your own decisions, but like he beats women. And so it really is kind of an interesting tilt to try on as a doula. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, but, but there is no sisterhood in professionalized doula work. There is no sisterhood. I mean, you can't even say the word sisterhood, but there's no, the, 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 the dynamic is one of authority and it's a, it's a monetary exchange. There are forms. Yeah. And that, that's kind of where I was going to go with that is, is that once, 
once I started to realize how deeply unethical my messaging was, where I was, again, just to recap saying that guy's abusive. I've seen, here's the things I've seen him do. I really think you'd be better served elsewhere, but I'll still go with you. It was about me being an integrity and me being an integrity wound up very quickly being, I don't go to the hospital. And that was actually the most impactful move I have made, you know, up until the birth of Free Birth Society, obviously, but actually telling the women why I had those boundaries and being very honest and saying, I, I actually cannot like mentally and emotionally handle watching the torture go down anymore in front of my eyes. That is not sisterly. Um, I, I can't go. And that's, that's a boundary that invites you to also set that boundary. And that has been, I mean, so many women that came into my sphere didn't go birth at a hospital then you know, and, or they switched doctors or they, you know, or they found the licensed midwife, um, or actually that's how, how, how I started attending birth without medical providers because I started bringing up free birth. Yeah. That, I mean, you're speaking to, you know, the lot, you know, it sounds like you became on un, completely uncensored and truthful, which is which, with your own boundaries. And I know so many doulas that, have similar perspectives, but they can't, they, they're not setting boundaries. They're afraid. And I was, I felt this way too. I was afraid that they would not like me or that I would somehow be crossing a line, you know, which the boundaries that were set up by the doula training organizations and the agencies, you know, that, you know, are, are, you know, basically own you or pimping you out to families and have dressed you up you know, and accessorized you to appeal to a certain demographic. And if you step outside of that, it can ruin the whole reputation of the agency, you know, so, so doulas are not now only under, you know, kind of this oppressive, like indoctrination that comes from Mm -hmm. the mainstream doula trainings, but then also are subservient to the owners of the agencies that are largely responsible for their income, you know, I didn't, I don't know any doulas who just right off the bat, were getting independent clients, at least not here in New York city. The trajectory mm-hmm. is that you sign up with as many agencies as you can. You take, you, you make pennies, you be a good girl. You, you maybe you even get the flu vaccine for that special client. You know, it's that, that is the culture here. And, and I had a similar experience that, you know, that when I started to kind of speak honestly and set boundaries with clients, it it modeled something so profound that they weren't seeing Mm -hmm. elsewhere. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and that's a good point, you know, and it's something I really want doulas to take away from this. Uh, I was never as successful or made as much money until I started telling the fucking truth. And that was when my niche came out and I started blowing up and free birth society is a whole nother, like obviously level to that. Cause this has gone global, but in my own community, uh, just, in, you know, in my city of Los Angeles, um, the, the tilt from, you know, what doula culture and trainings teach you is get them to like and hire you. Right. So wanting, wanting, wanting these people, these strangers, when we go to interview to like us and hire us creates a objective ethical dilemma when we are talking about abusive models of care. 
Okay. So, so that really is kind of the, the, the evolution of, of from doula to radical birth keeper that both Isabella and myself and, and so many women within our membership, you know, have, have, um, taken on and have shed this, uh, when I don't need you to like, or hire me, I can actually be an integrity and I can actually speak the truth and let the chips fall where they may. And that, that, that I really experienced as true freedom. Oh my gosh. Such a relief. Because then the women who are ready for you are like, yes, I want this. I want your truth. I want my own truth. I don't need you to save me. I just want you to love me and walk with me and let's go have a rock and birth. And that's where attending normal physiological birth began for me. So let's, let's go there because I know you have an amazing story about that. So, so as you're starting to shed all this and get vocal and get honest in walks, our friend who wasn't your friend yet, but in in walks a free birthing woman into your life. It, it happens. It felt like it all happened so quickly. You know, once I said yes to the universe, you know, it, it really, it, it happened so quickly after that. And yes, so I was, you know, connected with a wonderful woman here in New York City. And well, I should, maybe I should, I'll say, you know, first I joined the membership. That was the first big yes, you know, finding out that there were women. And then we fell in love. And then we fell in love. <laughs> and and in I think in one week I joined the membership. I met free birthing mom and signed up like to, to come to Colorado for the It was just like so many yeses. Um that week. Um, and that connection, just the, just the initiation of the connection was unique. You know, I, I hadn't been on a menu on, on someone's website, you know, um, I wasn't being found through hypnobirthing. Like it was really, it was, it was a woman who was a planning a free birth, who was so confident and in her power that the conversations, you know, I barely said a word when we spoke. <laughs> it was just getting to know her and what she wanted and and the relief that I felt being in that dynamic. Oh my gosh, like mm-hmm. being how exhausted had I I just didn't realize how exhausting right. it had well, been. And, and even the setup of her is, you know, that that Basically, I knew her. She was in my field. She had taken, you know, our guide and was in our network. And she basically was like, I'm free birthing whether or not I find any support, you know, but if you knew any amazing women who were comfortable in the landscape of normal birth, I would love to have, um, you know, someone there to kind of cook and clean and, and take care of my man. And that feels really loving and nourishing. And it, so it wasn't ever in this, like, I need somebody. It was mm-hmm. just like, man, if, if some like really cool woman showed up, I would, I would welcome the support. So that's such a different setup for you as a doula into yeah. birth keeper to feel that, um, like equality and relaxation and not the neediness and desperation oh to be God. saved. No. And just, and, and truly I, I had never worked with a woman who had put so much thought and consciousness into her pregnancy and the planning of her birth and postpartum. I just had never, I had never encountered such a level of consciousness before that I was, I was learning from this woman. You know, I was, I was just absorbing all of her 
her power and her knowledge while also providing the support that she was looking for, which is, you know, having someone to walk with in the last few weeks of pregnancy and through the birth. And one of our very first conversations, you know, she said to me, I might ask you to leave my birth. And I just thought, that's fucking amazing. Like, yes, yes. So much yes to this. Like, <laughs> another another wake up call like this is not about you isabella this is not about your chance to go to a free birth like this is about mm-hmm. like this is what it's about it's about her being in control her being the authority mm-hmm. her kicking everyone out you know and mm-hmm. and also at that point i also had to have like no attachment again you know release attachment to you know a you know attending lots of births and b you know um really seeing it as something for me when it, when it really isn't. And, and what happens when you're working with a woman who's in her own integrity and you're in your own integrity, something completely different flourishes between the two of you. So would you speak to that a little bit of, of what it felt like after having attended so many births in the system, what it felt like to be with a woman who very consciously made the choice to not have a medical provider there and and how your role felt different and what it was like to witness that? I felt like I could finally be the woman that I always wanted to be at another woman's birth in the sense that I wasn't having to deal with all of the other shit, like being the advocate or being the watchdog or being the assistant to the midwife, or, you know, truly even managing a partner, like it was really all about her the whole time as it should be. So, you know, practically speaking, you know, I, I was by her side pretty much, you know, the whole time we were together. Um, If she expressed concern about something, I would just reflect back to her what was happening. You know, I was, I was never in a place where I felt I needed to make a decision for anyone other than myself. Um, And I was also still able to serve because I I have to say I, I was nervous about all the unlearning that I still had to do around my role. And I, and I really think I have, I I think, I really think I, I, I served her in a way that I'm proud where I was able to be observant and confident and loving without taking anything away from her, you know? Yeah. Just being the observant woman that I am. It didn't mean that I had to shut my mouth the whole time and sit on my hands. Like there were parts of the birth that I, that I was more involved in on maybe an emotional level or on a practical level, but you know, in terms of like making, when I say practical level, I mean, making a sandwich and like broking her back and cleaning her back Um, and holding the bowl of the placenta while we all walk together to the bathroom with the baby, you know, you know, that's, that's what I mean by practical, but um, it, it, it was validation in the sense that it was really a test for me in in some ways, because I really believed that I didn't fear birth. And, and I don't think that a woman who fears birth Mm. would ever be able to witness another woman give birth in that scenario, given the climate. And so I really felt like, you know, I'm really preaching that I, that I don't fear birth. Like I, you know, I don't, 
see it as this inherently dangerous totally. thing. And so now is the time, you know, to, to walk that. And, and it was beautiful. It was amazing. You know, that everything I had theorized and heard from you and the podcast and had just really come together in this beautiful relationship that evolved. And, you know, I'm so happy to say that this woman and I have become incredibly good friends and, and have really, um, it's, it's just blossomed into this community in, in New York city as well. So, so that, that was really the inception of, of, um, this new chapter mm-hmm. for me. And, and I'll say that that was really, I consider the first birth that I've ever saw. Yeah. That I've ever seen. I, yeah, I had that same, I had probably been to like 400 births before I saw the first real birth. And, you know, that, that's not meant to offend, you know, or take away. It's just, it's totally different terrain. It's totally, totally different territory when a woman is not being coerced and bossed around and evaluated and assessed and diagnosed and examined and uh, told what position to get in and, you know, fear mongered. And I mean, you don't even, you don't even know until you see it, what you're seeing. You know what I mean? Like once I started attending birth without a medical provider, I was like, oh shit. I didn't even realize what these midwives were doing. I didn't even realize how much it impacted the room to have, you know, a concerned midwife come in with her medical bag. You know, I didn't even realize because until I started attending birth without medical providers, the midwife with her medical bag coming into the home was the unicorn. That was the thing that was Mm -hmm. the best it could get. And then to see beyond that, like you just don't know till you're there. It's, it's, you know, and in kind of in reverse, Yolanda has great stories of this and, and I've experienced it too. Just like as the birthing woman, you think you had a great birth in the hospital until you have your home birth with true support and true uh, love and respect. And, and how many women, you know, after that birth have looked up to me or Yolanda and said, oh my God, I had no idea. You know, it goes both ways. And you know, I think, you know, that's hard for some people to hear, but, but in the world that we're in, we're, we're in a community of so many women, both birth workers and mothers who have experienced the, the other paradigm and who it's amazing. I mean, it's literally what inspires everything that you and I do, you know, is that that is actually out there. Um, and that no, it's not the no. same. And and I think you, you've spoken to this in other episodes, I think uh, specifically with Kim, I think it was, you know, the, the, you know, the feeling that one should have after birth is not that of trauma and, and, you know, devastation. <sighs> that is brokenness that is normalized in doula culture and you know I it doesn't matter it didn't it it didn't matter if I'd been up for three days at a gorgeous physiologic birth I would you know I'd be high on those endorphins for a week you know the exhaustion was secondary whereas you know with these 
you know, with these traumatic hospital births that doulas are doing in high numbers, one after the other, one after the other, Mm -hmm. there's no time to process. And it's been- You can't not internalize that. You you cannot. And and there have been, and, and just sitting with the devastation as well, I think of, you know, recognizing the complicity and all of that and, and making, you know, finding ways to make peace with that. I I don't know. I'm still working on it, but you know, I, I'm, I was contacted recently by a woman who, you know, who I supported four years ago, who retold me her birth story. I was there and I, I completely blocked it out. I have Mm -hmm. no recollection other than a couple moments of her birth. And that is just a survival thing. That's just a survival technique for witnessing all of that shit. It's such a good point. I remember, I remember there was a period of time, maybe about six months, maybe up to a year where I was still attending birth in the system, but I also had started attending normal, respectful birth. And I remember for a couple months there, realizing, having this epiphany that, like you just said, if I had gone to a birth that was void of abuse, like if I went to a normal birth, how it felt in my body, even if it was three days, even if I remember one of the the, the longest births in my life was, was uh, six days. And it was, I mean, at the most, I got a couple cat naps and I think like one shower. It was, it was pretty intense. And yet it was so amazing. She was home. She, you know, was just with her partner and her dogs and me, um, and, a and, a um, like, I think she was a cousin actually anyway. And, uh, she rocked it and had an epic birth and there was nothing wrong and she made all her own decisions and, uh, it for sure would have been a C-section for a thousand reasons. And it wasn't. And how that felt and the high of, of observing and witnessing and supporting and serving women in total integrity with no abuse and nothing was taken from her and she was centered the whole time. I didn't ever feel depleted, exhausted, and, and this like, you know, needing days to recover, even if I had lost a couple nights of sleep. Whereas I remember at that same time in my life, having gone to a couple bursts that I was only there for like, one to three hours. But what happened in that time was so awful. Um, and of course, I mean, that's so obvious, but you know, you don't just like bounce back from witnessing a woman you've come to love be annihilated and separated from her child and, and, you know, infantilized and, and just all the things, you know, you're not supposed to bounce back from that. And if you're a doula that's bouncing back from that, get right. Like get right with yourself because you're not supposed to bounce back from watching the women you love and walk with be annihilated. Yeah. That's not normal. Yeah. And and I don't say that with judgment. I did my best to bounce back from, you know, going to birth after birth of of women being abused. You know, I I totally did my best to compartmentalize it and move forward. And like Isabella said, you don't have time always. It's like boom, boom, boom in a week sometimes. And so then you kind of, what do you do? You just kind of like, ah, oh, well, <laughs> check on the mom. You're busy. Just catch sleep when you can and keep going. And then all of a sudden you don't even remember some of the births. No, it's like the referral, the freaking, reminds me of the freaking referral list where you're just like constantly like, sh- like shuttling 
women from space to face, space to face, where they're then, you know, connecting with other traumatized women to like fester in more trauma. And, and so few people are saying like, this is not how it needs to be. Like doulas who suffer from their own birth trauma, facilitating new mom support circles, Mm. reframing trauma. It's just this, it's just a spiraling it. And for me, free birth society and the complete guide to free birth, all of it was just the interception Mm -hmm. that I needed that. And it's so telling that it came, it only came up three years into me doing this work that, 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 you know, unassisted birth, free birth was not even in my periphery, not even slightly. You know, I I had heard of lay midwives and, you know, I I heard of ish of these things, but it's, it takes a massive interception in, in this work to see anything else. And so for some people, maybe that's witnessing a ton of abuse for other people, maybe it's coming across, you know, free birth video on Instagram or the podcast, you know, but the indoctrination and the dependence and the Stockholm syndrome, the financial aspect, it's, it's, um, it's, it's so um, cult-like and, mm-hmm. you know, Ugh. just the devastation, yeah. you know, of, of walking away from that or the, the, the challenge, not the devastation, the challenge of moving away from that, you know, I don't think either of us would put light lightly. Especially. No, well, and that's kind of the thing is, is, looking at, okay, what is the one common denominator of all of these women that I'm watching be abused? Oh my God, it's me. Mm -hmm. I'm the common denominator. I'm there at all of them. And so it actually became clear that it was my responsibility to remove myself from that. And, you know, I've credited Marin Green so much for for this line that she gave me uh, before I launched Free Birth Society which is one of the best lines anyone's ever said to me in my life, which was uh, at some point you have to decide, do you want to be a part of trying to reform a system that you already know doesn't work or serve women? Or do you want to start putting your energy into building a paradigm you want to see in the world? And it was one of the most helpful things anyone's ever said to me in my life because I was ready to hear it, right? <laughs> Step one, I was ready to hear it. And, and that was it. It was like, okay, I'm the common denominator. I have to get curious about what happens when I remove myself from exposing myself to all of this and, and a- acknowledging that by, by being willing to go into these spaces where women are abused, I am actually a part of it. I'm not saving shit. And so, okay, what does that look like? So that's what I want to get to next with your story is, um, you know, like we said at the beginning of this, one of our intentions with this episode was to really inspire and really give some permission and some light and some energy to, um, you can have a life beyond doulaine that is even more integrity, you know, in integrity or integral and that, that, um, you can still make money and you can still, um, there's so much available to you, you know, beyond this air quotes scope, you know, or limitations of a doula. And so I'd love to hear some of like your lessons of, as you've untangled this, 
what have you taken from this? And I like to think that these episodes and our work in the world and voicing this stuff is going to help expedite other doulas journeys. You know, it took me kind of an embarrassing long time to figure this out. And so part of how I'm getting right with the world now is doing this work so that the women who want to learn faster than I did have language for it. And so, so help articulate some of the lessons now being on the outside of, you know, being, you know, the graduated radical birth keeper and figuring out that role. I think the biggest lesson is, is, you know, there's a lot of freedom in not being aligned with a system. Um, it is a relief to no longer be associated with a system that I was financially dependent on. And so it's, you know, it's, it's freedom and it's also responsibility because, um, there are so few of us, I feel that are, you know, not censoring their shit. And sometimes, you know, it's, you know, I guess an example to give is, you know, being connect, what's been happening recently is that I've been connected with women through doulas who I feel know what's up, but don't have the language as you described, you know, to communicate authentically and honestly with their clients. And so they send their clients to me for a consult for something seemingly unrelated, you know, like the example recently was hypnosis to turn a breech baby. You know, so the doula frames, I have a mom I'm working with, she's planning a home birth, her midwife's going to abandon her unless the baby turns, Um, can you do a hypnosis session with her? So I'm connected with this woman, and obviously at this point, I'm beyond that ethical dilemma of, for anyone listening, no, I will not do a hypnosis session for someone who wants to flip their breech baby. Um, And so, you know, there you have a woman who has, you know, been the victim of, of really pathologizing normal of of normal variation of you know way babies live in in the womb exist in the womb plus she's not in labor so the baby could turn and no one ever talks about that oh yeah she's 100% not in labor she's 35 weeks pregnant oh my god she's spent wow. you know thousands thousands of dollars on wow. acupuncture moxibustion oh what a um, racket chiropractic work um is about you know was about to attempt an ecv money 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 to hypnosis, right? Exactly. Um, this woman can feel the intensity of the pressure and is expressing, you know, dread for the midwife and the institutions that, that are, that are, you know, causing this harm. And yet she's, she's like a kink, you know, she can't, Mm. can't, um, she's like on this train and she can't stop it or that's how she feels. And, and so there I am is I'm the interception. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm the voice that's saying, Hey, stop. <laughs> First of all, I'm not going to take your money to flip your baby. If you want to do a hypnosis session for releasing fear and anxiety and finding your voice, that's something else. But you know, that, that there's nothing to be fixed that you are not a problem. Like you're not willing to engage no. in pathologizing the 35 week gestational position Absolutely of her baby. Just to be clear about, because someone might've been like, well, why wouldn't you help her do a hypnosis? Because if the lens is 
because in, ta- in, in talk, taking self-responsibility, it is not ethical for Isabella to participate in what would be the pathologi- pathologization of something that uh, is actually participating in the absolute sabotage of this woman's upcoming birth. 100%. Hundred percent, and and really, you know, I think that that's where the the coach that you've described and moving out of the hero, but just offering a different perspective, and that you know she's not doomed, you know, because because often, mm. you know, women who are operating in the system, there's this you know desire, inherent desire to have a normal birth and to be treated with respect. But <laughs> Go that is so far from that's so far from what they're going right. to get, then it switches so quickly to, um, I'm just going to need to practice acceptance, Ugh. right? Which is absurd. You know, the fact that you, you feel like you need to accept this, the horrendousness of the situation, but like they b- believe that that is their fate. And I, and I, I relate to that, you know, it's like the crumbs. And if all the medical team is going to abandon you, it's like, of course you're going to say yes to an ECV which it yes. has enormous risks, you know, what are, right. and this is kind of the point, right? Like if a woman doesn't know her options, then she doesn't have any, right? That's just, that's just 100%. true. And so yeah. part of this idea of evolving into a radical birth keeper or the coach or, you know, the, the, the serving women above the line is being integral enough with, with where your loyalties lie, which is with women, which was, which is with feminism, which is with centering the mother in her own life and pregnancy and birth. Um, when we do that, we're able to speak a truth that below the line with an agenda and with a allegiance to the system and with wanting to get the clients and make the money and see the births, you're actually not able to do. And so, you know, what I'm hearing in that is such a good example of um, this is the evolution is how to get in integrity with what we're saying to women. Because when we do that, we can provide information and options that no one's giving in the rest of her life. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and then, and like you said, the, the, you know, what happens after that is not, is not for us to determine that, you know, it's, it's, that is not our place. And, um, and that, and I've never had a bad reaction. I've honestly, this far, I've never had a woman say, how dare you tell me <laughs> right, the truth? Right, totally. You know, or like, why did you tell me that? Or I'm scared now. Or why would you do that? You know, I've, I've never, all the kind of fearful thoughts mm-hmm. that I had, like about what would it would look like to speak my truth have never come to fruition. I've only ever received appreciation. Mm-hmm. You know, some sometimes, you know, I think maybe distance and shock, totally. but but ultimately- appreciation right. and and it makes sense and and it's again the radical birth keeper really i think off operates in a in a in a true sense of sisterhood yes i experienced the same thing and there's a way to relay this information um inarguably and there's a way to do it uh with the woman's permission you know so what i mean by that is uh when i when i used to kind of walk the line of of being willing to consult with women in the system uh, and I used to do these like hospital birth optimization sessions, I would, I would say the way I deliver my information is very transparent. It's very blunt. Um, I'm not going to hold back. I feel like one of my gifts is to, uh, take all of the stuff I've seen over the last 10 years and relay it to you very concisely. Um, are you down with that? 
You know, like, do you want to hear what I have to say about the doctor you're about to birth with? And every now and then a woman would say no, but, but very, very rarely. Um, for the vast majority of cases, they would say, oh my God, yes, give it to me. I don't know where else to find this information. Mm-hmm. And, and there we go. So, you know, it, I agree. Sometimes it's like with a little distance or with a little like, wow, okay, whoo, I don't know what to do with that. But, uh, but again, this is about taking responsibility for what's right for us and getting right with what we do in the world and say in the world. And women can make their own decisions, you know, but if a woman is coming to you for help and guidance and information, it is our responsibility to give it as we know it best, as we know it to, to be right and true. And what they do with that information is their life and it's up to them. But I would rather have a woman know you know, if she wants to know, so this is not about forcing information on people who are trying to put their fingers in their ears. You know, those women aren't coming to us. So if a woman is coming to us wanting to know, it is my absolute sisterly obligation to say what is true for me and what I have witnessed about that doctor. Because at the end of the day, I would rather that woman receive this information and digest it and Mm -hmm. make a better choice um, than be surprised in the middle of her birth that she's being abused. Fuck that. You know, and that really is going back to doula culture, you know, and like some of the birthing with from within stuff. And, you know, there's, there is definitely some stuff that floats around or perhaps gets misinterpreted. I don't, I don't really know within the birth world. That's like, you know, I remember this one doula literally saying to me, well, I've seen that, I've seen this doctor rape at least six of my clients with instruments um, against their will. And I've seen them be held down while screaming, but you know, who am I? to put that onto this new mom. And I mean, that was such a breaking point for me. I was like, oh my God, I cannot with this. Like, this is so fucking disgusting and, and not okay. And we are all facilitating this abuse until we're not. And that really was, I mean, I remember that Dave. I remember exactly what I was eating at that restaurant because I was like, okay, that's it. I'm done. I'm out. <laughs> this is not right. <laughs> It's so bad. And, and also the system that we, that, that doulas, you know, claim to be critiquing would not exist without us. Can you imagine our country if all the doulas were like no more, you know, I mean, that would be some powerful shit. You know, there's a lot of doulas out there and and yes, doulas don't really have like, yeah the strongest role on the team, but collectively, if all the doulas or the vast majority of all all the doulas started to collectively uh, share, discuss, and be transparent and be in integrity and say no more and stop attending hospital birth, that would speak volumes to the birthing women who know that, you know, there's some part of their, their, you know, understanding if they're hiring a doula that um, they serve some element of support and protection. And if all of the doulas were like, no, man, I can't do it. I can't do it. It's not right. I can't, I can't watch you be annihilated. I just can't do it. <laughs> you know? I mean, wow, that would be... And like I said at the beginning of this, I mean, that was my own experience of being verbal about that. And it impacted a lot of women uh, in a positive way. And, and obviously things like this podcast are, are even bigger expressions of that. And so, you know, the doulas that are listening to this I really implore you and support you to find your own voice in this and and to do do right by the women you're serving and and I know that that's uncomfortable and confusing but we're here for you 
for real, like join our community, do coaching with us, you know, take our radical birth keeper school. Like we're here. This is why I'm doing this. And this is why, gosh, we have so many amazing women in our community who like Isabella have made this shift and are figuring it out. And we're talking about it. We have monthly radical birth keeper calls that Isabella runs in our network. You know, we are here to help and and support each other through finding our way, you know, really, and, and it is happening. Um, and so you are invited into this and we, we do want to be there for you as you unpack this, um, because it's what we've got. Like, this is, this is how we move through this and find a better way with the women that we were serving. And like you said, you know, earlier, your the mission of this work is to, to, to make it so that women don't have to spend many, many years, you know, to figure out this, this stuff, you know, to figure out that hospitals like aren't where it's at, if you want to see real birth. Um, and, you know, I'm so, so excited to, you know, be taking the radical birth keeper school. I mean, so excited, you know, um, having made the, this big shift, I am still humbled every day at how much more work I still need to do. And the indoctrination is really strong. It was really, really, really strong. And, and, um, I, yeah, this, this, I'm so looking forward to having this container, this learning, this expansion, um, with so many other women with you and Yolanda and just, I'm, so excited and and um, envious of the of the birth keepers who will be doing this training as their very first encounter <laughs> right. with the birth world. I oh, mean, man. wow, what a foundation! Right, you know, what a foundation to to have. So I'm I'm so so excited. Yeah, I'm really glad you're going to be with us in this first iteration and to be able to offer all of your you know, all of your wisdom as well, because we are all in this together, and we all are trying to do right by by ourselves and our women. And, um, yeah, I mean, this school is, is Yolanda and I's freaking heart and soul, you know, of, of everything that we have learned and know to be true of how to do this, um, in a way that, that is right, you know, is right for us and is right for the women we're with. So yes, please, if you are interested in getting this call, jump on in. We still have space for you in our school. You know, we just opened enrollment, um, earlier, earlier this March and, um, and come, come do it with us. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. Do you have anything else you want to say before we close? I just want to say thank you so much for the community that you've built and, and, and really I, I credit my, my leap, my strong leap, you know, to the community that you built to feel that I had somewhere to go mm-hmm. after se- like really be being exiled, you know, from my former, um, doula life. And, and so I'm just so grateful, um, for not only the professional, you know, support, but, but just the, the connections in this sisterhood. So thank you. Mm-hmm. My pleasure. Yeah, we didn't even get to talk about the DTI getting kicked out of the group for critiquing oh C-sections. Uh, we'll save that story for another day. 
uh, a whole nother vent. <laughs> Good Lord. Alrighty. Well, thank you. I hope, I hope this, you know, was the right message for the right, the right birth worker today. Um, and yeah, I love you. Love you. Thank you. That's it for today, everyone. Join us next week for another episode of the Free Birth Podcast. Thanks for joining us. And remember, your body, your choice. Lots of love.